shopping today and I'll go to school tomorrow. First impressions are incredibly important. Honey, you can make a wonderful first impression. Brenda, how could you? He was a jerk, okay? I've made my choice and I choose me. Beverly Hills 90210 aficionados, welcome into 90210 So, a Beverly Hills podcast retrospective series. I am JT. Joining me, as always, is my good buddy Tim. Tim, how are you? JT, glad to be back, as always. Um, you know, I think officially the 1991 sweeps season of the fall television year is over now, mm-hmm. as of this episode we're coming up on, but we are not missing a beat. And uh, hopefully the the listeners are not either. I hope they're sticking with us on this um, this hot streak. I feel like we're on with this this television show. And I mean, as the show continues to grow in our hearts and in our minds, I, I think our downloads should hopefully reflect that. Just saying. Yeah, we have been running through an awesome series of episodes and. Um... You know, like I always say, like season three on is kind of where I'm, I'm dialed in on the show. So one and two have always been a little dark to me. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I've really appreciated just how great this run of episodes has been. You can see why it became such a hit <clears throat> during this time. Um, what's interesting to me, and well, I guess we'll talk about it in a minute, is this rating scenario with this episode. But okay. um, yeah, this very much felt like the end of the first half of the year type of episode. But then we have one a week later. Uh, that's the Christmas special, and then we get a couple weeks What's, off. Yeah, then a couple weeks off weird. after that. It's a little spotty, right? Because yeah. this feels like a low key Christmas episode, right? Well, yeah, it felt like the end of a like. We'll be back with this cliffhanger and a, a mid season, yeah, yeah mid season finale, right? And I'm going to tell you a little secret real quick, JT. I don't know if I've ever seen this episode. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> it, um, I I remembered it. Actually, more so than some of the other ones we watched. Uh, like, I don't know if it's just some rewatch or catching it on re-airs, but this one definitely... I don't remember where it goes, I'll say that. But I do remember... I remember nothing about this. I may have I may have missed this my first go around watching the show. All right, well, we're going to dive into everything uh, about it in a moment. Let's bring in our guest. Uh, he is a multi-time returning guest. I won't have to count how many exactly, but it's, it's up there. It might mm. be one of our most... Uh, visits one, two, let's look real quick. Uh, looks like it's his fourth. James Grunberg, is this your fourth? Wow, uh, no, gentlemen, this is actually my third. Um, I had uh, one in season one with um, uh, oh, third. Yeah, I counted this one in that. <laughs> Sorry. yeah, and um, then you had me out for Halloween and now this one, so it's a short turnaround. Of mm-hmm. instead of like waiting for the new season, you know, I've done a short turnaround from season 13, I mean, episode 13, and this is now episode 17. So, um, four four episodes of uh, turnaround here. So, you know, like the uh, like the episode, Grooney is back, <laughs> sadly. Uh, <laughs> so Gruni, you said you had a story about this episode do you want to tell that now or later yeah I'll tell it now so this episode is when I started to realize that 
episodes were missing because um now no spoilers yet but um the conclusion of this episode and then well like i just lollygagged through the episodes um i didn't even know like what happened like afterwards you know during like the there were other like chris there was like another christmas episode here and there blah blah and then um it wasn't until season three when they go back to like scott's family i had no idea of what happened with with sky in the first place and i'm like then i went back to tim i was like tim what happened he goes oh you didn't wait what do you mean you don't know what happened i was like i didn't know that episodes were missing and then it was this one and then i tried to find the next one was like wait a minute these episodes aren't there are episodes missing and it's like major plot holes were were missing as well so i had to go back and retrace all the episodes you know and i did but this is definitely one of those episodes and then no idea what happened afterwards. So I was like, so what happened with so-and-so in this, you know? Yeah. This time around for sure. It's a shame. I feel like that happens with so many first time viewers of this series, people who maybe come to it a little bit later in life, similar to you, Gurney. And um, I'm sorry, I I set you down the wrong path there. I should have prepared you for the missing episodes on these (laughs) streaming platforms because I I don't think I realized the extent of it at the time. Like, I knew there were a few gaps here and there. Um, It certainly gets worse in the later Mm -hmm. seasons, but I would not have ever imagined that they they would have left out an episode like, you know, Scott's death. Right. I couldn't have. Well, we definitely I mean, I, the big I, gaps we get later are, are really when the music picks up, like we start going to the Peach Pit after dark and all so. that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a big piece of the, the latter ones. But it's like so. As far as Gruny was concerned, uh, first time around for you, Halloween was uh, was Scott's farewell. Huh? He uh, he parted, had had some nice uh, nice walk down memory lane with David, and then he was gone forever. Right? <laughs> yep, that's basically it. <laughs> He really was gone forever. Just did a different way. (laughs) Uh, Just did a very different way. All right. Sorry about that. Should have warned you. (laughs) No, no. He's back on track now. Yeah. (laughs) This episode we're talking about tonight is season two, episode 17, the 39th episode overall in the series. And that is Chucky's Back, aired December 12th, 1991. Still a, a solid rating. <clears throat> when you look at the rest of the season up until the last couple juggernauts, like it still would have been in the top four probably for most of the season. That's an 18.2. So okay. a strong outing, but it's a significant drop off. That's 10 million people dropped off from uh, my desperate Valentine, which had 28.7 mm-hmm. million. So I know we're getting into holiday season. It gets a little tighter, uh, but we actually go back up next week, which is closer to Christmas. So, I don't know, just an anomaly, just a ton of people tune in that maybe didn't normally watch last week because of the hoopla around the episode. But um, I tell you, these numbers just seem so fickle every time we get into Mm -hmm. the ratings. And I guess it was it was like all these different factors we've talked about. Any little thing. Right. Was there a big news story? I don't know. Yep. (laughs) Who knows (laughs) what kind of competition was it up against? It's fickle taste, man. Yeah, I mean, it could have been, I don't know, uh, man, I'm trying to think it was like a big, I don't know, it would have been a, we saw on Wednesday here, or we on Thursday, 
I guess it could have been yep. a football game maybe up against it or something. Still but... on Thursday. Still on Thursday. So... The Nets set the NBA record 22 blocks. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't see any really big news stories on that day specifically. Looking quick, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know if there's a football game. I will be curious. I mean, it's a Yeah. I'm curious. All right. So, uh, with that all stabilized, once they do make that shift to win. Right. Yeah, we'll see because it is still so up and down right now. But, um, We'll see if it continues. Um, like I said, we're we're up. We stay up. We don't go significantly down, but we're definitely peace in particular, right? Yeah, like we talked about, we definitely peace with Emily Emily Valentine's farewell. Looks to be the series high. So, mm-hmm. all right, let's dive in. Uh, season two, episode seventeen. Chucky's back. We are at West Beverly High, checking out the scenery. We heard David in the radio booth plugging the big winter dance. It's a uh, West Bev and Beverly Hills combined. The girls are talking about the finals coming up and uh, Christmas shopping and what they're going to wear to the dance. And Kelly says Donna needs a sign that she's there with David Silver, but still available at the same time. Donna doesn't like their attitude. She says we're just friends, nothing more. And I like David. Leave me alone. Uh, Brandon says he's not going to the dance. Steve tries to push him to go, but Brandon is very straight anti-dance. He doesn't like to watch dancing, doesn't like to be around dancing, wants nothing to do with dancing. Uh, Steve tells Brandon he's going to ask Kelly. It says, I think she deserves another chance. You know, I forgive her for dumping me, which is funny. Uh, Steve uh, sneaks up on Kelly. They flirt a little bit, and he asks her to go to the dance, but she says she already has a date. Steve says, well, let's break the date and go with me, but she reveals she's going with Chuck Wilson. Steve is not happy to find out about this. He says, I have a history final. You're telling me this now? Well, Steve, you asked. (laughs) I don't think she was searching you out before your big final, but... um, so Steve thinks Chucky just asked Kelly to get back at him, but Kelly says, you always ruin it when another guy likes me. Steve then rants to Brandon about Chuck and shows him footage from Samantha's soap opera, The Hartley House, his mom. And we find out that Chuck Wilson, Chucky, played Samantha's son on the show. Steve says he's gotten thrown out of every private school in the area. He's a punk. Brandon tries to talk him off of it, but Steve says he's had to deal with Chucky's crap since he was a kid. Chucky would always cause trouble at the set and Steve would always get blamed for it because you have to let the star off and his mom went right, right along with it as well. Part of the job was to be nice to Chucky. Steve said Chuck told him, watch out, Chucky's back when he started at West Beverly after he got thrown out of the private school. And Steve says they're talking about a Hartley House reunion show. Samantha comes in and Brandon uh, brings up the reunion and says it's not official, but it could lead to a TV movie if Charles approves of it. Samantha tells Steve not to call him Chucky. And they're all going to have dinner tonight when Charles comes over to talk about the pilot. I mean, uh, the reboot. So, Tim, a a lot going on here. We're really centered pretty much all around two things. And that's what this whole episode is going to be. It's centered around Steve's issues with Chucky and him, you know, potentially dating Kelly. And then Donna and her feelings for David. Uh, yeah, JT, uh, Tim is here. I'm sorry to tell you that. Um, but, um, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of good stuff going on, um, you know, and a lot of, um, a lot of, um, you know, drama going on, like with Steve, he's like, I hate Chucky. I don't like Chucky. It's ridiculous. Like, you know, I've been getting blamed for everything about Chucky. And, um, I think it's so funny that, he um he's like yelling at Kelly at this um 
yelling Kelly in, in the classroom. I'm surprised the teacher was not, um, wasn't like, Steve, get out of the classroom. Like, you're causing a disturbance. So, um, it's really good, um, good stuff from uh, Steve here with uh, Kelly and Brandon just being like, no, man, I don't dance. I'm not going to the dance. And, you know. Well, that stays um, in his character, right? I mean, that's been established. There's only yeah. really been one time we've seen him dance, and that's when he was uh, spiked with uh-huh. euphoria from Emily. <laughs> he let loose. Yeah. Um, otherwise, yeah. he's pretty much stayed off the dance floor. And that, that's a running, mm-hmm. definitely yeah. a running trope throughout the show. Yeah, and then, um, you know, Samantha is just really, like, looking down upon Steve, even though that's, like, even though it's, like, Steve is Samantha's kid and not Chucky, you know, still treats him like a little, like, a second-class citizen, you know, where it's, like, Chucky, it's, like, oh, Charles is so nice and this, and Steve had to take the take the rap for everything because, you know, Chucky's Chucky, and Chucky's that good little weasel basically i think it's an interesting um like part of child acting or just acting in general that maybe you don't think of or um you know realize that like a lot of children of actors or actresses go through where if there's a tv show like that where the the actress or actor is the the parent of a young child how that could potentially affect the relationship with their own children. Like it's, it's kind of a poignant look that you don't get a lot um, kind of deep, deep dive on. So I think it's, it's kind of interesting that they take that approach. It's like, okay, you don't really think of how it affects the actress's real child. If they have a close uh-huh. bond with a child that they're, you know, like a growing pains or family matters or whatever, like, you know, th- those actors grow up with those kids as their surrogate children. How does that affect the real children? So it's kind of a poignant <laughs> little look at it. Yeah. And um, did you guys have like winter uh, social dances like or like around the holiday season? Like, did you guys like have like a winter fest yeah. dance or something like that? We In high school, we had a like a winter semi-formal. Uh, so usually it was homecoming in the fall and then like a winter ball or winter semi-formal in like December. And then yeah. prom. Ours was the black and white dance in January, which is kind of funny. <laughs> Yeah, maybe it was yeah, January. Was... Maybe it was January. Hey, Tim. Uh-huh. We always had, I want to say we always had something right before that winter break. Something after homecoming, but right. before we, you know, uh, let out for the new year. Um, you know, this this is sort of an interesting plot to me because it feels like it's the rare plot that can only happen based on the premise of this show, which is it's, it's centered around a bunch of rich Beverly Hills kids, their lifestyles, right? You can't. Right. And for the most part, the, the types of plots the show has done um, sort of their status and their class has been a, a little bit incidental to that. You can sort of insert yourself into the, you can insert yourself in, into the situation at least if nothing else. Whereas this one is, I mean, it's a kid whose mother uh, is, you know, this longtime actress. So she's in show business and he's having conflict mm-hmm. with uh, her on screen, uh, you know, son from back in the day. That's just not something that the average day, the average viewer is going to be able to relate to. Right. It's, it's something that speaks 
particularly to just the premise of the show. And it's something that I think the show does very rarely. Um, but it's interesting to me. And I'm glad that they're actually stepping outside of, um, hey, it's it's these extraordinary people who have these, you know, extraordinary lives living just kind of these everyday situations that we can all relate to. This is something that is very elevated. <laughs> Not too many viewers can relate to, mm-hmm. but it's still kind of at the same time, I think kind of gripping because it is so different. Yeah. And maybe relatable to some that like, if you had a scenario, maybe where you, your parents like had a, I don't want to say take a child in, but maybe a, a cousin who was like, extra close had problems or you know something like that right where like they're almost expected you know your parents almost are doing a favor by bringing in um another child to your family so like maybe like that's a little yeah it's a little bit more at at arm's length but you can still maybe find a hook um to something but it's it's definitely it's playing with the setting of this show in a way that i really like for sure. I kind of found it interesting that um Chucky here is an actual uh like is is a known student of Beverly mm-hmm. Hills high because like you know here's this like child actor you know he yeah. would have That's another he angle, would have yeah. like been in other schools you know we know that he's been kicked out of private school so I guess he had to go to the public school mm-hmm. with all the rest of the kids you know but it's like, how long did like Kelly and the rest of them know uh, Chucky? Are they just knowing Chucky, or have they known Chucky well, for probably a while? Just the school year. It feels like he just came. Mm-hmm. We don't even know if it if it was the beginning of the school year. I mean, it could have just happened because if he got kicked out, it could have been during the year. So yeah, we don't mm-hmm. really get like a vibe for how long he's been at West Beverly. They no. all seem to know him. Um, but I would also think, I mean, like a child star rolling into West Beverly is also probably not like a big thing for them. <laughs> like, sorry, mm-hmm. just another one. I'm sure there's mm-hmm. other ch- child stars there. I'm yeah. sure there's kids like Steve who are sons or daughters of stars. So, like, given where they are, it's kind of probably ho hum, you know, just like, oh, just another. Yeah, it is natural for a act like an actor who's off the off the air, not doing, uh, sh- not shooting anything, to be in like a regular normal school. All right, so later on, Steve answers the door. In comes Chucky for dinner. He goes right in on being like a dick about, you know, I'll tell Kelly you said hi. Hey, is it true? Kelly's a great first date. So he's kind of going in on that. Steve says he's not forced to entertain him anymore like the old days. Samantha comes in. Chucky immediately calls her mom. uh, He's dialing it up. Steve is seething, but Chucky is really going in hard here to to prod him. Uh, We cut over to the Walsh house. Kelly's there for dinner. Uh, They're talking about the Hartley house. Cindy says she thought Brandon looked like Chucky growing up. I, I like how, like, even they knew of the, like, that's, they, they they frame it well without jamming it in your throat, how big of a hit the Hartley house was that, like, even in Minnesota, this family, like, watched the show, and now he's friends with the, the actress's son or whatever. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, they're really trying to set the stage for just how popular of a show that was. Mm-hmm. And you get that bleeding through. Uh, Kelly says she shouldn't have to choose be- between Steve and Chucky just because they hate each other, and no one really backs that up. They're kind of like, eh. <laughs> Kind of do. Uh, should be choosing Steve, but okay. Uh, we come back to the Hartley House dinner here. Chucky gets one last dig in on Kelly as he leaves. Samantha wants an apology from Steve for being rude, but Steve says nothing ever changes. You always side with Chucky, and you're concerned about the reunion show, and that's it. Steve wants to be first in her life, but Samantha talks him down about how she worked as a single mother just for him, but Steve is not having it, and uh, 
basically says, you just loved being a star. Samantha says the reunion means syndication and foreign money, and that means a lot extra money. And Steve's future uh, means a lot for that as well. Steve says, well, what about dad? He's got money. And basically, she's like, you can't count on your dad. And Samantha tells Steve not to let Chucky get to him. You've always been more mature than him. And she asks Steve to apologize and to play nice. Gruny. So what did you think of uh, Samantha's uh, approach here after the dinner and Steve's you know, concern? Um, it's sort of like the wrong approach. Um, I, I can't say it's wrong, but like she just like is attacking like Steve, like, oh, you were mean like to Chucky. Mm. Why are you being all mean to Chucky? But in, like in the case you now, Chucky's playing the weasel character. He's always nice and charming when the adults are around. But when mm. the when that when that door shuts, you know, here comes the weasel like it's like, you know, going after Steve. But then when Samantha shows back up, it's like, oh, I was just innocent. It was all Steve's fault. And, um, you know, she's always like just ready to blame blame steve so samantha is sort of taking a bad approach but it's also that you know hey she wants this to work out so she really wants steve to be on his best behavior because she really wants it to work out where they can get this uh tv movie uh rolling as well if the reunion hits it off as well too yeah, further complications being introduced here, not just in Steve's personal life and his pursuit of Kelly, but this guy is is now sort of reigniting their sibling rivalry from back in the day. So I, I, I love the multiple dimensions that are being explored here. And um, also just the world building that's going on, JT, to, to um, expand upon what you said about how, like clearly the Hartley house was a big deal within the universe of, of this show um I, I guess it's i don't know what it would be comparable for us like a i don't know if it's quite the same thing as like a brady bunch but maybe yeah i always thought it was like a soap opera but i guess it's more like um more like a family kind of sitcom i think yeah like i guess more like who's the boss or full house yeah or even yeah. like a maybe sort of a hybrid between the two like a um right it's certainly not the same setting, but like a, you think of like a little house in the prairie or a so or something a, a little uh, more dramatic, but for families, nah. some <laughs> a little bit more dramatic, but for families, yeah, exactly. Um, and so like, like that's all reading, <laughs> like, yeah, that was less maybe, of a yes. comedy, that was a little bit more. Comedy. I was getting mm. Mr. Belvedere vibes, <laughs> no, that was more of a pure comedy, but I don't know why. <laughs> I think Brady Bunch is probably good comp yeah they, they kind of did mm, know, even not, like, it a, like a straight sitcom i don't know i'm almost thinking like a growing pains but like a bigger deal mm-hmm. than even growing pains was yeah um who's the boss those kinds of later shows anyway um <laughs> we're just going down tv land now uh <laughs> remember when uh reun- tv reunion specials were a thing where it's like they're not going to reboot the entire series we're not going to do it we're not going to redo the entire show and and try to make another go of it or another season all these years later we're just going to do a one-off well that wasn't really a thing then yeah this was it was very rare like shows came back they'd either do like that reunion show Mm -hmm. or a tv movie which you mentioned as well tv or maybe like a spin-off was like big then but they weren't too many reboots then there were not any reboots and here it's like we're gonna do this big reunion special, and and Samantha's open. It's gonna lead to bigger, 
bigger and better things. Um, so I don't know. That's maybe a little bit um, ahead of its time in, in some respects. But uh, I look. We get a nice. Um, we get a nice look into the uh, the Sanders homestead here. Yes, I feel like which JT, you and I are a big fan of these uh, the lifestyles here of the rich and famous on this television show. I, it doesn't compare to, uh, the Taylor compound. Certainly. No, um, with the, uh, computer giant computer in the bedroom with the computer the, desk, the no, kitchen the, and also in the bedroom, uh-huh. <laughs> yes. the kitchenette in the bedroom and the, in the computer nightstand. But it does look a little like, I love that there's like an echo and every, every room is so enormous that there's an echo when there's just, you know, two people speaking to each other. Um, just sort of hits him how, I don't know, kind of informal this relationship is between Steve and his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, there's there's a lot of set decoration, too, that makes me think it's there's a lot of shit that's just it's like something out of eyes wide shut. It's, a well, it's almost like cr- a staging, like like she yeah. hired someone to decorate the house or it came furnished. Very of, unnatural. You know, yeah. yeah. But on purpose at the same time. So, right. I don't know. I always enjoy little details like that. All right. We're at the Beverly Blaze. Uh, a staffer named John Griffin comes in. And he wants to do a story mm-hmm. on the Hartley House reunion. It's a big news because we have a uh, child star on campus who's going to be possibly in it. He said a study of child stars would look would be really cool. Andrea and Brandon are both shaky on the premise. John pushes. He wants to interview Chuck. He says he wants to interview Steve Sanders as well wants to base the story around the two sons of Samantha Sanders. And Andrea likes it. Brandon pushes back. And Andrea says the piece needs sensitivity. And Brandon has that sensitivity. Uh, and Brandon pretty much convinces her to take it. And poor John Griffin gives the, the sourpuss look at the end. But uh, Andrea warns him to be objective in the piece. So Brandon figures, look, this piece is happening no matter what. Uh, I may as well be the one to do it so I can protect my buddy. Brandon finds Chucky, asks him to do the piece. Chucky pushes back a bit, says, oh, yeah, I'll have my publicist reach out. Brandon kind of makes a joke. Oh, yeah, your people, my people. And Chucky realizes he's kind of big timing. So he says, okay, we can talk now. Uh, I didn't mean to pull a star trip on you. Chucky gushes over Samantha teaching him the business. As Steve was like family to him. They're close like brothers. Steve comes over and Chucky tries to be nice. He says it's just a sibling rivalry. Steve apologizes and Chucky smarmy as usual. Brandon lets the recorder keep going, though, because Chucky... Now starts to reveal himself, prodding Steve about being insecure. Says, we know everyone knew you were adopted. Chucky says that he knew since he was seven and we all had to keep it quiet until she decided to tell you. Chucky keeps going and Steve eventually punches him in the face and Chucky falls back into the bushes. We cut to the vice principal's office where Chucky and Steve are sitting. Chucky says he can't do the reunion if he gets in trouble again. His parents told him he won't be able to act. So he tells Steve to better take the rap. Steve tells him to eat it, but Chucky reminds him, about like reminded me of a uh, DiBiase running Virgil about his mother. <laughs> it's like if my bust, I remind you about the reunion, uh, and you'll upset your mother and how badly she must need the work. And basically, Steve says, Are "You blackmailing me?" And Chucky's like, "Yes, I am." So Steve's talking to Brandon. Brandon's mad at Steve for taking the rap. He says, "I have the proof on tape. We can show that Chucky deserved it." And Steve says, "Chucky doesn't play fair, and that's what it is." Brandon says, "Steve could miss finals and take an incomplete for the semester." He's got the proof, but Steve just walks off. We go home, and Steve is watching Hartley House. He's reading a magazine. Samantha's heading out for the night. Steve says he needs to talk, but she says the reunion show is falling apart due to Chucky. Steve says he needs her right now. 
but she sweet talks him and Steve says, I got suspended. And she's up to, upset to find out about this before a major strategy session. Steve explains what happened before he explains, but before he explains why he hit Chucky, she just gets pissed off and leaves. And Steve says, don't worry about it. I made sure Chucky will do your show. So Tim, what'd you think about uh, all this? It's a continuing pretty much Steve and Chucky dominating this episode. Mm, well, uh, Chucky's showing his true colors now. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a particularly dick move for him to uh, throw it in Steve's face that he was adopted, mainly because, I mean, it's a dick move anyway, but he doesn't know that Steve already knows this. Like, he's kind of assuming that someone would have told him at some point, but he doesn't know for sure. So this, in other words, could be a gigantic bombshell that's being dropped by a person who... um, you know, at the best, you have a very antagonistic sibling-like rivalry with, and at worst, is just a real dickhead who's, you know, trying to steal your girlfriend, um, which is the way this is being set up. And it's like, he really had no right to go there, right? Not not knowing, e- even knowing that, that Steve already knows this, right? He, he still shouldn't have done it, but the fact that he knows this and he's not really sure if Steve does like it's, it's really, really underhanded on his part. And I thought it was well-deserved that Steve slugged him the way that he did. And then of course we get the blackmail. Um, I mean, so we're, we're seeing it all come out here. Um, nice return by the way of the, uh, salacious, um, Beverly, uh, beat reporter, Beverly blaze reporter, mm-hmm. excuse me. Uh, who I guess was unnamed in our uh, yeah was that I meant that was that the same one from last episode it's the same guy um, same character same actor John John Um, Griffin yeah so now he gets a name now this is John so he's going to be recurring I guess I don't know that he's worth tracking because I don't have a lot of recollection of this guy but hey at least it's a recurring character now in this uh, in this show so I appreciated that and. I don't know. What do we think? What do we think of Steve's relationship, not only with his mother, but with his his mother's old television show? This is not the first time we've seen him just sitting in his room alone watching old episodes of the Hartley House. That's a that's a character detail that they have yes um, really retained since it's what the almost pilot? like comfort because mm-hmm. his mom probably wasn't home a lot. And that's probably how he got to spend time with her was watching this show. So it's almost like he relies on this show to it get that like time with his mom. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like a ritual and a com- it's like a maybe security blanket kind of thing. And, and does he I have love it on tape? Again? Yeah, or does he like just he's... happen to be on reruns a lot? And he, well, you know because... what? I think they even had a line earlier in the series uh, when he, um, oh, who was the, the, the gold digger chick that he was dating? Chris. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, they said that, uh, they had a line, something about how, oh, I, I like to watch the Hartley house at such and such and such a time every day. And that's kind of how they hit it off. Yeah. So maybe um, it's a rerun that he's watching on, uh, on TV, which is not to say he doesn't also have it on tape, but, right, um, right. <laughs> it's like, clearly it's, it's a regular fixture for him. And yeah, I, I love that they've carried that over really mm-hmm. since I, I want to say the pilot was where we first saw him doing that. And um, it's just cool that they've maintained that, that continuity. 
anyway, what'd you make of it, Grooney? Um, well, that this John Griffin guy, he really wanted to turn the uh, the blaze into the National Enquirer mm-hmm. because of Chucky, but also, um, I liked how Brandon just casually walks over. Like he's in no rush because he wants to see Chucky get his butt kicked. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, I guess I got to go break it up now. <laughs> like, it's just so funny. how he just casually walks over there. He's like, all right, guys, break it up, you know? And then um, mm-hmm. now we do see Chucky's uh, true colors come out, you know, no more nice uh, for him. No more nice guy, Chucky, you know, and you either take the wrath or I ruin your mom's life, basically. And then again, Samantha just goes right to um, right to Steve. Like, how could you do this? You know, like the show meant so much for me when Steve is literally crying out, being like, I need you, mom, you know, and all this. And for the adoption part, um, it made it seem like they were going with that. Steve didn't even know he was adopted. And some kid just like comes up to him. Like Chucky just was like, you're adopted. You know that blah, blah, blah. But I think it was a good twist. It's like, Oh, like um, that Steve already knew. It's like, right. Oh, well, how'd you figure it out, man? Like who told you, you know, but it looked like they were really going with that. Steve didn't know he was adopted. Yeah, Steve definitely knows. They said he found out when he was 16, right? So he, he knows mm-hmm. he is. Um, but what Chucky's basically hinting at is that, like, everyone in the fucking world but Steve knew. <laughs> like, yeah. So Steve's just mad. Like, she's yeah. like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, you told mm-hmm. this kid and not me that I'm adopted? And as we'll find out, wasn't quite the case. But um, All right, yeah, so the girls are all talking more- about... That's even more hurtful in some ways, right? That right. this awesome. this guy knew before he even did. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Pretty messed up. All right, the girls are talking about Steve and Chucky and David as well. They go to the Blaze office where John uh, is back at it. He wants to cover the fight, and he says kids want this stuff. But Brandon says no, I'm not including the fight. Brandon says it's gossip. John says the public has the right to know, which killed me. Um, John says Brandon will never make it in a college paper with this attitude, and Brandon says he won't do the story. He gives Andrea his notes and walks off. Brandon says Steve can tell Andrea if he wants, but he's not going to jeopardize friendship for a story. So she basically tells her, you can go talk to him if you want. Steve's watching the Harley house yet again. He fe- uh, This time is featuring a touching moment about Sam and Chucky talking about babies. Steve falls asleep, and we get one of our least favorite out of two of our tropes, the dream sequence. Steve uh, dreams he's on TV and uh, talking with Samantha about where babies come from and where he came from, kind of recreating the scene. Chucky shows up and trolls him about being adopted. Then you get TV Dream Steve talking to what's perceived to be real Steve through the TV. And basically, they talk about baby trying to find his real mother. A lot to take in there. <laughs> the next morning, Sam has a surprise for Steve at breakfast. And uh, they're black maid, <laughs> by the way, who's standing yeah. at, the, at the stove cooking. Just like kind of smiles as, as they're like, Samantha's like, I have a big surprise for you. And Steve goes walking out. And I like that. I don't know. That just felt a, a bit much, I guess, for 1991. But I don't know. I, yeah, I, it definitely stood out. <laughs> and, and just, yeah, it just so normalized. Um, Samantha gives Steve a brand new uh, Corvette or convertible and says, Chucky credited Steve for doing the reunion show, and this is a gift as a thank you. Steve still ain't having it. He gives Samantha shit about all the adoption stuff. Samantha says she wasn't the one who told Chucky. She has no idea how he found out. Samantha defends Chucky with Steve snaps, and he explains why he got suspended. 
Samantha's crying. She says, I love you. I chose you. As Steve walks off, which I thought was a good line. Basically, I adopted you. I chose you. It means even more in a way um, than if you know you were born from me. Steve then shows up to the Walsh house. He tells Cindy that he got suspended. He sits down at the table. He talks to her kind of about wanting to maybe find his real parents. He asks Cindy if that was Brendan and Brenda. How would you react? And I thought they had a pretty good talk about the nuances of the topic. Cindy kind of brings up that, look, maybe your parents don't want to be found. You know, think about that. And uh, Jeruni, I thought it was a pretty good scene with him and Cindy. It's Cindy really stepping in again as a surrogate mom. You know, we have Chucky as a surrogate son of Samantha. Cindy, you know, has been positioned in gym as surrogate parents for many of the friends here, including Steve in the scene. Yeah, very good talk here. Um, you know, and it like Sydney is really showing, telling Steve that, well, maybe your mom's just trying to protect you from the truth, you know, mm-hmm. but at the same time, maybe Samantha should tell him the truth of where he comes from. And like, you know, like you said, maybe they don't want to be found, you know, as harsh as the reality that is that the truth might hurt, you know, coming from Sydney, it's like the nicest words in the world, you know, because like she's really being that like mom to mom to Steve that Samantha is being absent at, at this time. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of these shows, um, for any character that's adopted, whether we've known it from the outset or it's, it's a later reveal, um, they, they want to wring a lot of drama out of that. And especially in the nineties, you would hear, you would hear terms thrown around like, Oh, who are my real parents? Now I have to find my real parents. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it turns into this big storyline for, for that character. And it's like, I don't know. That kind of thing has always felt sort of, divorced from reality for for me um look i'm not adopted i i can't really relate to that that experience but from what i understand that's kind of a rare phenomenon for someone who is adopted to yes i mean there's there is a certain amount of um having to cope with that once you know that person does learn oh i i was adopted but for the most part it seems like most adoptees do not go through this huge existential crisis of I need to find my, you know, biological parents, my birth parents. Well, like, yeah, some do, some don't, but it, it's never like this big, huge dramatic thing, the way that it's presented in in shows like this. Right. Mm And I mean, just like anything else, they're going to, they're going to maximize the drama. I get that. And so I appreciate this, little heart to heart that Steve has with Cindy who really kind of is keeping it real and helping to bring him back down to earth and saying, you know, there's really two sides to this as much as you might be interested in knowing where you came from. Yes. That's a natural curiosity, but suppose, you know, they don't want to be found. And uh, Samantha makes a very good point and stressing, you know, we chose you and that doesn't make you, any less of a child, our child, my child, my son. And he's, you know, just not really having it. I will say, um, I don't know shit about cars, but that blue Corvette is gorgeous. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I was kind of feeling some, some muscle car porn there. It was, uh, <laughs> it was getting to me. So good stuff. Yeah. All right, at school, David is talking to Donna and basically says, look, I need a, a, 
if we're gonna go to this dance, we get two options: either my dad can drive us, or Donna, you can, because I'm not basically doesn't have his license yet. And he says, "I prefer if you drive." And she says, "Okay, I'll pick you up at you know whatever six or whatever." So Donna's you know still be playing it pretty cool with David. She's clearly into him on some level, and you know willing to pick him up. Doesn't care. She doesn't need to be impressed. David can't drive. She knows it. So whatever. Uh, the crew are chatting about Donna and David. And uh, Dylan says, you know, David's a good guy. Like, what's the problem? And Chucky says, older women with younger men is hot right now. So there you go. Donna comes over. She tells Dylan that his friends, she gets kind of pissed off again, that they have to even keep talking about this. And she walks away. Um, Brandon comes over. He asks Kelly for a conversation uh, on her own. Chucky's going to go off for a meeting. So he leaves. Brenda says, Chucky's adorable. And David and Dylan says, no, he ain't. Uh, Brandon then tells Kelly that Chucky's a loser. He explains what happened. Kelly says, Steve's just jealous. As usual, that's her go-to for Steve. <laughs> and Brandon smartens her up. He says, no, here's what really happened. He was making fun of her for being adopted. And Kelly is not happy about that. We go to the studio. Chucky's laughing it up with his agent, Norman. Samantha Waltz is in. She's kind of obviously, you know, it's us on the know, playing things up a little bit. Chucky's oblivious. She says, uh, you know, maybe Steve should be here celebrating, too, since he's the one that got you to do the show, Chucky. Samantha presses Chucky to explain what Steve did exactly to convince him to be in the show. Chucky tries to kind of hand wave it, but Samantha asks how he, how he knew that Steve was adopted. And we find out that Norman, the agent, is the one that did it. He told Chucky the deal long ago. He said he did it to make Chucky feel better because Chucky was jealous of Steve. Samantha calls Chucky a spoiled brat. Chucky said he's the one that kept her on the air and he's doing this just for her. Samantha snaps, quits the reunion show, and says she put up with Chucky for too long. And uh, this is a big let's go, Samantha. This is, this is a cool cool scene for Samantha. Snaps, finally. Chucky gets his comeuppance. Uh, we go to the Peach Pit. Steve is sitting miserably. Uh, we have a very somber version of Silent Night playing in the background. I don't know if that was the original uh, song of choice for this. Um, episode or not, but there you go. Uh, Nat comes in, he tries to talk to Steve, and Steve says, Do you think I, uh, you know, Nat, do you look like your mom or your dad? And then, you know, basically, Steve is sulking, he's really in his feelings right now about not knowing who his parents are. Dylan comes in, Nat tells him to cheer him up. Dylan wants to talk. Steve opens up about being adopted and talks about wanting to find his real parents. Dylan says, Is that a good idea? But Steve's basically completely stuck on wanting to find out. Dylan says, Samantha's the one who's always been there for you, Steve. And that definitely should count for something. Steve comes home. He finds Samantha in a robe, says she's not doing the show, explains about the Chucky stuff, what happened, and she apologizes for everything. She apologizes to Steve for forcing him to be nice to Chucky all these years. They both kind of cry. They hug. But Steve says he needs to know where he came from. He needs to find his real mother. Samantha shook and says she has dreaded this moment and doesn't want to lose him. So I thought this is really well done. Um, and I kind of like the swerve because you kind of assume after Dylan gives the talk, after Cindy gives the talk, and after Samantha finally stands up for Steve and tells Chucky to F off, um, that Steve would kind of back off and be like, okay, you're right. Samantha, you're really my mom. That's what it is. But I think it's a bit of a swerve that basically Steve stays steadfast. He's like, I know all this is true. I know you're my mom, but I need to find my real mom regardless because that's it. That's where I'm at. And Tim, I thought like it was a good approach to do that. I thought it it caught me off guard. I thought for sure this was going to wrap up as the usual, you know, mm -hmm. kind of okay. You're right. You're my mom, and that's how it is. 
Caught me off guard, too. Um, while I do bristle at the word usage of real mom, that's right, right. I just accept that, that that's a 90s thing that, the, yes. again, these shows do. Um, you sort of have to hand wave it. And yeah, I, I like that Steve and Samantha were able to um, make peace, you know, before the episode is actually done. But Steve is still, you know, pulled in this direction. And I, I thought we got some really good emoting and acting out of uh, Ian Zeering, right? Who I can't say that I, I feel like we've, We've made this point a couple of times, mm-hmm. JT, that I don't know that he was any anybody's favorite character on the first go-around watching this series, um, but he's kind of been a standout to me on this rewatch. Just, I don't know, he, in some ways, he's, he's just kind of a very reliable in terms of always giving you something, always giving you something you didn't really expect and a little bit more and better than you'd maybe expected from this character. And other than like, I mean, yeah, there were some some blips early on in the first season where it's like, hey, we need a main character to be kind of racist for one episode. Like, I mean, I can kind of dismiss that because that's the show still finding still sort of finding its way. Um, but here, now that we've really established this character, I think uh, I think he really brings it whenever he does get a showcase. And it's been a while since we got a Steve showcase episode. Um, but I've been pleased with this so far. Shows a lot of vulnerability here. And, you know, again, while I had no recollection of this episode whatsoever, I'm like, I'm pretty into it at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I have I have mentioned that I am a low-key fan of Steve Dillon one-on-one mm, interactions, yes. which I feel like we didn't get a lot of, and now I'm starting to question myself and my own memories. Is this another Mandela effect thing? Because we get a total, (laughs) Mm -hmm. very good Steve and Dylan one-on-one. And, you know, I wanted to talk about this at some point. I guess we'll get to it now. But Dylan and Brenda, I I like this slow burn of normalcy. Mm -hmm. They're continuing. Like, they are almost completely backseated after being a focal point of most of season one or early season two. They are like completely non-existent entities in the show right now. They're either there for a quick-witted quip, or you know, making out in the background. They're happy, they're comfortable, they're just chugging along as just a little high school couple in their own little bubble. Yep. Um, I know why they're doing it, so it's going to be jarring when the shit hits the fan soon. Um, but I, it's it's an interesting approach where they're not having any drama at all. Like they're pretty much only there to serve as you know ancillary characters right now mm-hmm. so and they're letting an them approach. But, yeah they're letting the both of them have separate storylines and separate character interactions even though sort of in the background of that they are in a stable uh very good relationship they're kind of like as i've said before they're they're like the old married couple of this group at, at this point um so yeah i i love getting this uh this exchange between Steve and Dylan and and Steve acknowledging, look, uh, you know, if anybody is going to even semi understand what I'm going through, it's probably you, you know, recognizing that while Dylan is not adopted, he has a very unstable family life Mm -hmm. and Dylan just kind of doubling down on, on what Cindy already told Steve. Right. And, and giving him the same sort of good advice. Um, 
I just like seeing them as bros. I really do. Yep. Grenade thoughts on that section? Um, it was good um, for Samantha to reconcile with Steve. Um, still surprised that um, a little surprised that Steve does want to continue his uh, search for his um, his mother. And um, I do have my. Um, it's like from the scene of um, Samantha and Steve, where Steve wants to know. Um, I found my lesson, uh, mm-hmm. my lesson learned there and like what, um, what like the most important scene is and everything. So it was good on them, uh, to do this, uh, scene and, uh, you know, and, um, what was I going to say? It was in season that, uh, you know, like, um, I'm surprised that Steve never told Dylan beforehand that he was adopted up until that that point because you would have thought that uh for all the years that dylan and steve have known each other and gone to like west beverly or hung out you know that that would have uh come up uh beforehand right unless there wasn't enough time for like steve to actually tell dylan because what is he now like 17 and he found out when he was 16 yeah so there's a chance it just never came up i mean to chip's yeah. point like we don't get a lot of steve and dylan they're not necessarily close and they even said at the end, like, only Brandon and Kelly knew, right? I think they're the only two that knew. Yeah. I, I want to say in the um, the Spring is Fling episode in the first season, that's when – because Steve was acting like a dick throughout that whole episode. Yeah, right? he had just found out, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he hadn't just found out. It was it was that it had been, like, the one-year anniversary. Right. Oh, yeah, right, right. Out. And Kelly was the only person who knew. Right, because they were and dating Kelly was when he being, found out. Yeah. yeah, Kelly was being kind of indifferent towards him. And he's like, you know, I'm having a hard time because I'm thinking about all this shit. And you're the only person who knows what's really going on. And so that's what, that's how Brandon came to find out is because mm-hmm. he confronted Steve. And Steve came out with it with Brandon. But as far as we know, Steve has only told kelly and brandon up to this point so yeah i kind of also find it weird that you told him at 16 i feel like you could have told him at like age 13 i feel like 13 is a mature mature age yeah maybe it's one of those things where like the longer it goes the harder it becomes to finally Mm -hmm. do it you know yeah because steve could have been lashing out at 13 you know and he doesn't really lash out here he's just like upset but like if he were to be told that 13 he might show resentment towards his mom even more so maybe this was a safe bet here as well we're also going to get into some stuff late i mean we haven't met rush sanders yet um Mm -hmm. and we still Mm -hmm. will not for another (laughs) season or so um i i wonder how far out in advance they sort of had that whole relationship and you know what would ultimately re- be revealed between Steve and Rush plotted out, and like mm-hmm. how when did Rush fall out of the picture? Right, he was right. I mean, were he like, and when did they divorce? Were he and Samantha even ever a thing, or was it just? I, I don't know. I think right. Were they actually married, or just yeah, his dad? Yeah, like it's it's weird because. You know, maybe anyway. I, um, yeah. I think we're gonna get some 
there's going to be some future revelations, in other right. words, that maybe the show hasn't quite worked out yet. <laughs> All right, we go to the winter dance. Everyone's getting down. We see Donna and David pull up. They park. David says the great parking spot is one of the perks of coming with him. So I don't know because being the DJ or the videographer, or whatever reason, he's got a good parking spot. They do a little chitty chat in the car. David says it's their first big social event together. And Donna says, yeah, but we're not going out. And David kind of realizes what she means. Donna tries to explain it. And David's like, all right, well, let's just go get it over with. You know, I'm sorry. You're not really into me. You're just here with me. And Donna says she's proud to be going to the dance with the best dancer in school. David is all smiles. He leans in for a kiss. Donna kisses him back, but then kind of gets mad. And David apologizes. She's like, it's okay. But, like, it's not presented in a way like David push the kiss on her like mm-hmm. she kind of leans into it so yeah uh, but she's clearly still struggling with with what this is uh at home steve is with an empty christmas tree samantha comes in uh, they both kind of apologize to each other but steve says i have to do it i have to go find my parents and she understands samantha says she has a little bit of information steve's mother's name is karen brown she was very young and she came from outside albuquerque which is where steve was actually born <clears throat> but that is all the news she has. Steve wants to go to New Mexico tonight to start the search. So he's like, I have to go now. Can't even wait. Can't even wait till the morning. He's going to go right now to New Mexico. Can't waste another moment. Uh, we get a funky version of 12 Days of Christmas playing at the at the dance. Uh, David and Donna show up inside. They're both nervous. They don't see Kelly, but they see Chucky. So they assume Kelly's there. We then cut to Steve's house again. Kelly shows up and says she stood up Chucky as revenge for Steve. And asks them to go for a drive. Steve says yes. And he says let me just get my things. They get to the car. And we find out that Steve has since told Kelly about his plan. Steve says how great the California winter weather is. And how lucky they are. And we find out uh, that Steve will be taking a bus to New Mexico. Not his Corvette. And Kelly says let me drive you. And he says I want to leave things behind. The Corvette and you. Basically I'm leaving West Beverly behind. I'm going to New Mexico. And it's going to be a fresh start. Looking for my mom and dad. Or mom at least. Kelly says they have two hours until the bus leaves and people want to want to say bye to you. So why don't we go to the dance? So they head to the dance. Brenda and Dylan are dancing. They're giggling as always. Dylan is spending Christmas break with the Walshes, we find out. So see if anything happens there. Andrea hmm. shows up and heads over to apologize to Brandon about the story being gossip. Brandon says to leave business behind tonight. Just have a good time. Andrea asks Brandon to dance. He says no, but they agree to get some punch together. David and Donna then dancing as Steve and Kelly show up. Steve is worried about being here while being suspended. And Kelly says, this is when you give a shit about the rules, basically. Kelly's in awe of Donna and David dancing. They're in the middle of a circle. The rest of the crew is watching. Uh, a lot of the other students are cheering them on. And Donna steps up and makes out with David in front of everybody. And Donna announces it. I like David. And if anyone's got a problem, too bad. And they make out some more as everyone's watching. So it, it is a fish, official now that David and Donna are an item. Brandon puts his arm around Andrea. So again, like we've talked about this before, like you know, him kind of doing these things. They're going to mess with her. You know, does he mean it or not? And he keeps tonight. He does two couple things that take steps to potentially get Andrea's head that maybe he's interested again. Chucky comes over and gets in Kelly's face, but Kelly basically tells him to go screw. Uh, he leaves her and her and Steve dance. They're all smiles. Chucky comes over to with Professor Chapman. Professor tells Steve he's got to leave and he doesn't want a scene about it. Steve leaves and Kelly says they're all going to go with him. Chucky asks if Samantha took Steve's car away. And is that why he needs to take the bus? 
Steve walks up to Chucky and calls Chucky a has-been. He pretends to punch him, and Chucky kind of ducks. And then Steve laughs and leaves with the crew. They all mean mug Chucky as they leave. Uh, we then cut to the end. The crew is at the bus station. They're processing everything. Steve gets his ticket. He says goodbye to everybody. Gets on the bus. Brandon and Andre are arm in arm here. So that's the other thing I thought. Like they're kind of canoodling. Uh, Kelly says that they're always Steve's family no matter what. They'll be here for him. They all hug. And everyone's a little bit solemn as Steve gets on the bus and rides off to Albuquerque to maybe find his mom, Skylar White. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. But um, if it cross streams. So, Grinny, what would you think of the whole... <laughs> what you think of the whole final stretch here from the, the winter um, dance on down? Well, it was good that um, Kelly came to her senses and realized that Chucky was really a jerk to Steve, and it was Chucky who instigated everything. Um, and it's good on Donna for, like having the courage to finally like not stick up for her friends, but show them that she's not afraid to be going out with someone who they kind of think is like the goofiest kid on the, in the planet. So kudos to Donna for uh, finally like, you know, saying I like David, if anyone has a problem with it, deal with it, you know, and you see Brandon trying to get back with Andrea and then, you know, Chucky being like a snitch, you know, because like, well, Steve's not supposed to be here. And it's really good that all the friends uh, come together um, for Steve. Like they sort of did with David when he was going through with Scott, you know, and um, and so like, you know, they're always going to be there for uh, one another and a strong, uh, strong uh, little uh thing from Kelly like no matter what you find out there we will always be be your family so coming from Kelly um, that's really strong as well and like really nice for uh, Kelly to uh, come off as being that really a uh, nice a nice person here so all in all uh, really good uh, final uh, sequences here as well Boy, yeah, we cram in a lot in these last 10 minutes here. It's like the, the episode almost pivots into becoming like another school dance episode, mm-hmm. which it really wasn't that from the outset, even though it had been talked about. Like, I don't think we were prepared for that to play such a large role in this episode as it kind of does um, late in the day here. Uh, but there's just a lot going on. Um in some ways, this does this not feel like a character exit for and like I don't know, like okay, something uh, happened it, with this this actor and he's he's gonna be off a little bit, now. yeah. It felt like he like, was done as like weird. a full time <laughs> character for sure. I mean, they literally <laughs> pack him up on, on a pack him off on a bus and send him away, right? Like, yeah. Well, especially the conversation in the car where he's like, "I'm gonna leave all this behind." Mm-hmm. Like made it yeah. sound like he's moving to Albuquerque, not that he's just going on right, mission. Right, to like, like this out, is going to take know? a while, you know. This uh, and he has this little goodbye with everyone, mm-hmm. including Kelly, at the very end. Everyone looks very somber as as the bus drives away, and it's like, well, okay, I guess that's the end of Steve. I mean, they easily could have just like we could have not seen him again, you know. <laughs> Or, or just got an update in passing. Oh yeah, Steve found out who his biological biological mom was. They're trying to figure things out, and that was right. like 
this easily could have been a last episode for him. So it's like very bizarre. Coming. It makes me wonder if I don't know. I I don't know. I, I don't even want to speculate if if there is anything <laughs> more to this. Um, of course, we get David and Donna super becoming official here with her like. Yeah, I, I'm not only into that kiss, but um, I want a little bit more of that. And mm-hmm. um, that's been a long time coming, certainly. We've been tracking that one forever. Uh, now we're also back to the will they, won't they with Brandon, Brandon and Andrea, which we thought maybe that was done, but they've always kind of kept it slow burning in the background, especially now that Emily is gone. It's like, oh. So have we cleared the path now for Brandon and Andrea to get together, perhaps. And, hmm, got to keep an eye on that one again. And Dylan's going to be spending the holidays with the Walshes. What's that mm-hmm. going to look like? So it's like they set all these plates spinning here in these last 10 minutes, um, complete with what seems to be the, the send-off for a, a <laughs> major <laughs> cast member, which, I mean, obviously isn't, spoiler, but... I don't know. It's it's very strange the way that they they handle this, and it, which really goes back to your point, JT, about how this totally feels like a mid season finale. Yeah, <clears throat> him leaving absolutely felt like both things that you just leveled out there. It, it felt like a mid season finale. We get a cliffhanger. We're going to come back. Is Steve going to be back? Is he gone? And yes, it did feel like a character right out. Like this felt like the way they would. Say farewell to Steve. He's riding off out to Albuquerque to live with his new mom, his old mom. Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's definitely a disconnect between him deciding last minute to drive that night to like suddenly he's moving there, right? Like it's just, it's just odd. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm leaving it all behind and I'm heading out west because they have an impulsive they... teenager, right? So on that level, yeah. it makes sense because it is like an emo, dramatic, over dramatic teenage thing, like. All right, you're never gonna see me again for real. I'm leaving. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, and they, and it, sorry, it also no, felt like it also felt like that. Um, like you could have done. Like I don't know where the next episode goes. I'm just gonna speculate. It could have felt like you could have done like, oh, I got a postcard from Steve. You know, mm-hmm. it's like from mm-hmm. Albuquerque, New Mexico. Oh, right, you know. Yeah. And really, um, it's like a double swerve because we have Steve making his peace with with Samantha. So -hmm. you think, okay, we're good. And then he's like, no, I'm still going to find my biological mother. And it's like, all right, so we're still doing this. And then you figure after he takes the car ride with Kelly and she's like, like she's gonna actually change his mind, right? He's gonna be or go with him. I thought for sure, like or your one of the with him, one but... of the crew is gonna a brand whoever is gonna be like, all right, we're going with you, you know. See, I was I was mm-hmm. fully prepared for when they show up at the at the dance. He's gonna be like, you know what? This is my real home. These are my real family. Da da da. Never, never mind all that bullshit, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. I figured that's the way it was gonna. They were gonna leave things, but no, he was he was resolute. And um, sure enough, it, again, it just feels like a, a character exit that I've, I've never seen them write out a character so definitively who is just back on the show as far as I know, like at least within a couple of episodes. I don't know if he's in just the next one, but I don't remember Steve taking any sort of 
extended hiatus as as a character from this show. Well, I'm guessing he's back. It wouldn't shock me if he misses the Christmas one and then comes back after. But yeah, that's um, it. All right, okay. Let's get to our awards here to wrap things up. Uh, I, the best scene to me was Samantha losing it on Chucky and the agent and quitting. I thought that was that's the scene that fired me up the most. <laughs> I like that, but I, I like the um the the mother and son reunion with mm-hmm. with Steve and Samantha since we we got some actual we got some tears we got some tears on camera here from Ian Zering. Which, uh, he's a pro. <laughs> Uh, I went a different direction with uh, best scene. I liked uh, David and Donna making out and Donna declaring that she likes David. Mm. I went with that for my most important scene. Uh, tied um, with Steve wanting to find his parents uh, <laughs> and D- David and Donna becoming official, which is, I mean, really the biggest part of this episode. Yeah, that, that's my going most on, that's, that's the biggest piece. That's my mm. most important. Also, I could, I could also see giving it best scene because it is a very good scene, but um. I yeah I I split the difference there and said that was my my most important scene was Dave and Donna officially unite them. Oh, I went with the uh, I went the opposite. You guys did uh, for uh, most important scene. I went with uh, the Steve and uh, Samantha reconcile along with um, Steve's mom telling him where he comes from and who his like real mom is. So basically, all the Samantha and Steve stuff. I put that as the most important scene. All right, most '90s look. I went with Chucky's dinner clothes. Kind of had like that <laughs> funky-looking button-up with the jacket, and I don't know. No, there wasn't too many that stood out on this one. Not too many. Um, I did like Steve's assortment of silk shirts. Um, it, it seems like they all kind of have the same pattern, but they're different colors. Uh, so th- that was fun. Um, but yeah, not not a whole lot to choose from here. I don't know if we have already seen it before or not. I like another dance, but I like David's uh, blue suits in this episode. Yeah, that was the other it one I was like, thinking. It felt like it was like he was going for like, and he looks like he has Prince's hair like with the suit as well. So it looked like David was going with uh, a Prince look. I don't know what Prince was doing in 1991 or like 1992, wherever we are. So, you know, it looked like David was going with Prince here. All right, most 90s moment, we kind of talked about earlier, but I want the idea of like a TV reunion show and then also TV shows with annoying kids. (laughs) Yeah, both very related and and good, good, uh, good picks there. I I definitely went with the the TV, the one shot TV reunion special, which is just not a thing that is done Mm -hmm. anymore. I'd go with that or like, you know, having like dinner with your co-stars, you know, because like it did seem like everybody was like having dinner with former co-stars like in the 90s or actually like going out with their co-stars while they're uh, in production as (laughs) as well, too. But um, going back to like the TV reunions uh, for like the most 90s thing, I was thinking it was like, did Happy Days even do a reunion yet? Like with with them in the 90s i don't even think they did yet you know like that's when i was thinking like real tv reunions was like did happy days do it yet either way that doesn't matter but it's like yeah you know tv reunions and or you know your co-stars coming coming to dinner was like a most 90s moment as well all right lesson learned i went don't ever trust anyone named chucky (laughs) (laughs) well yeah i mean the uh (laughs) 
the IMDb trivia or the the Amazon Prime trivia that was coming up as I was watching this episode was talking about how this was a play on the Child's Play horror series. Mm-hmm. Which, oh, okay. JT, you are forbidden from from ever watching, but a mm-hmm. um, lot of horror, a lot of horror intersections in this this episode. JT, you had um, Chucky as a child in the uh, the episodes of Hartley House that that Steve is watching. Uh, that was Miko Hughes, who was um, the killer, uh, the, the little killer child in Pet Cemetery. I know a, a Sean Kidd classic. Um, Rooney, <laughs> you might remember him from uh, Kindergarten Cop, I believe. He yeah. Was the, yeah. Was he the uh, My Dad Looks at Vaginas All Day? No. Um, yeah, I think so. And he was like, boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. I wanted I to bring would, that yeah, up as one well. Other, right. Yeah. I wanted to bring that up as well. I don't think it was around this time. It might have been later, but he actually plays um, one of um, Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen's uh, friends in uh, oh. Full House as well, too. So he's a recurring character there. I've seen him in, like, uh, a couple of plenty of things, like, you know, like plenty of 90s uh, TV shows, whether he's, like, a main star with lines or he's a background character. Yeah, pretty prolific uh, child actor there, and you you know you got the child's play connection with uh, Chucky, mm-hmm. uh, of course, star of a uh, of of Chucky Child's Play two, not other than Christina Lee. So I don't know. It's the show having some fun with that, obviously, and mm-hmm. I would agree with your lesson of uh, don't ever tr- trust a uh, a Chucky in your life. <laughs> um. Like oh, so that was your best lesson learned, Dusty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for lack um, of anything else, I could really relate to in this episode. Mine was so I wrote down like always be honest with your kids, even if the truth hurts. But I also wanted to go with um, love your kid as he were your own, even if he's adopted. You know, because it does seem that like Samantha. Like, has pushed uh, Steve off a lot of times up until this point. And now it's like, oh, I really do love you. You know, even though you're adopted, you know, you'll be my son and everything, you know? I mean, yes, it, it's sort of underplayed. But to your point, it it is kind of extra shitty that he is not only adopted, but she still sort of makes him feel like a second class citizen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to treat, I guess, your own kid like that. That's just that you just sort of I don't want to say take for granted, but to her to use her own words, I chose you, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, if you did, then why are you acting like he's cramping your style constantly? You know? Exactly. Well, because she's created in her mind. I referenced yeah. Breaking Bad earlier, but again, like it's like Walter White, right? Or like mm-hmm. Kendall on Succession. Like these people that convinced themselves that they're doing this themselves. for their family, but in reality, they're doing it for themselves, right? And that's, for them, yeah. that was the mm-hmm. whole crux of Breaking Bad, right? The last episode, Walter finally admits, right, to Skylar, I did it for me. I did it um, for me. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that's it. And you know, it's it's a common right. thing, and that's what he we right. get here is that Samantha has convinced herself 
that she needs to do all this for Steve rather than to spend time with Steve, which is what he wants. He doesn't all he needs. want her yeah. to continue to be a star that to get even more money. At least satisfied. doesn't need the damn Corvette. Although right. God, <laughs> anyway. All right. Rooney bringing the uh, the real life lessons here. Yeah, <laughs> hard hitting. I right, best hook up was easily uh, David and Donna. I believe in this one. For I think sure. it's our mm-hmm. first win for us. So there you go. Uh, best cool. I didn't have too many in this episode. I just went with watch out. Chucky's back uh, with Steve quoting Chucky, it's but good. I didn't. I didn't really catch any other big ones in this episode. Um. Well, I caught. Um. No matter what, I like your quote too because like it's funny. Like watch out. Chucky's back, you know, for like poor Steve has like suffered through this kid. So like it's annoying for Steve and like he's really trying to like beg people to like listen to him. Be like, this guy's a menace. Chucky's back. Um, but this one coming from Kelly was really nice because like Kelly's been sort of bitter towards Steve, but like for here, Kelly really steps up, like being Steve's friend. No matter what you find out there, we will always be your family. Coming from Kelly, like that's a really strong quote from her because, like, of her and like Steve's like past relationship and like sort of like a rivalry of like I can't stand you. Well, I can't stand you either. Yeah, it's it it does feel like they've they've gotten to the point where. For a while, it was Kelly being very, you know, very annoyed by Steve and, and realizing fully that, that he still had it bad for her and she mm-hmm. just wasn't going to give him the time of day. And although his, I mean, I, I don't know that that ever really changes the way that he, the way that Steve views Kelly, but she has gotten to a point where she can kind of respect him and, and look past all of that and just right. consider him a friend, even though she realizes that to him, she's always going to be more than that, but she's not going to, she's not going to dog him for it anymore. She's right. not going to belittle him or, or try to try to get him to shake that off. She's just going to realize that, you know, we're coming at this from, from two different places, but I'll always love you as a friend. So, kind of some growth there. All right. Final grade. I like this episode quite a bit. Um, you know, back down a little bit. Our last three were just epic, right? So, those are all super high scores. Yeah. But I have this on the same par as the one um, from uh, the, ho- I think, Halloween. Let me see. Yeah, I have it the same as Halloween. So, I went 7 out of 10. You know, it's, it's a very contained episode. Mm-hmm. But it's a contained episode that has things that matter in it. So, it's a... Uh, it's all Steve with a little bit of Don and David and not much else, but it's a big character episode for Steve. We learn a lot. We see where he's maybe headed and we also get Don and David coming together officially, which is obviously you could argue one of the biggest stories for the rest of the series uh, is their relationship. So it's a pretty big partnership that they put, you know, on them too. I'm going to give it a seven and a half. Um, Eight is too high. Seven seems about right, but it it surprised me enough. And again, for an episode I did not remember at all, um, I found myself getting really engrossed. Um, it, it gave me a little bit more than I was prepared for. So yeah, seven and a half for me. I went seven as well. I thought this was uh, this is a very good episode. <laughs> it's like it's not up there with some of the. Uh, 
most um like recent episodes like with scott and like the uh euphoria episode but like it's there like as a uh, a very good episode and um you know it got over the hump and everything um and it's still like high for like the ratings as well and a very good uh hands-on steve episode like you said uh mixed in with uh you know everything going on like with david and donna you know uh and uh, like Kelly and Kelly and Steve, Brandon, and like just everyone like being there. So uh, it's a good episode. So I went with seven out of ten. All right. So that'll do that. Let's go through our rankings or uh, trackers really quick. We had uh, new characters were Chucky Wilson, John Griffin, who I guess technically was the same as last episode, the Blaze editor. I'll he at least gets a name. Yeah, I'm gonna I'll shift it up to there. John Griffin really debuted last episode. Uh, Norman the Agent and Professor Chapman. I don't think we've seen him before. Mm. Uh, relationships. We had Kelly and Chucky, Steve and Chucky, Steve and Samantha, Chucky and Samantha, David and Donna, and Brandon and Andrea back at it in this one too. So I'm curious <laughs> if that leads anywhere as well. Steve and Kelly kind of low-key as well. Like, are we gonna get a reboot of them at some mm. point? Um, yeah, like perhaps. So there's that. Uh, for places and things, we have the Harley House Studio, the bus station, and the Winter Dance. Uh, for songs, this is what's on our list. We had Donna by Richie Valens is playing in the DJ booth. David is playing that, so that explains <laughs> that opening scene a little bit more. <laughs> um, apparently, Jingle Bell Rock was playing at the Christmas party, so I'm guessing that's where that weird funky 12 days of christmas was dubbed in over jingle bell rock perhaps which would make more sense yeah which 12 days of which one's public domain the other is not probably right correct so. yeah mm-hmm. uh hey donna by rhythm syndicate is playing when donna kisses david apparently the band or dj knew her name and played the song mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. i adore mia Moore by color me bad playing when Stephen kelly dance of course that would be a a uh, big piece of a later episode. Well, that's <laughs> yes. Uh, Two thousand miles by the Pretenders is when Steve gets on the bus and heads out. So that's there you great. go. All right, let's get to our character rankings before we wrap things up here tonight. I think we're all pretty comfortable with Steve number one. Yeah, I, yeah, fully. Okay. Uh huh. All right. So then I had Donna two and David three. Any qualms with that? Because we're not going to rank Chucky or Samantha, really. And I mean, the next big story to me was Donna and David. And I've continued to really enjoy Donna in this season. Like, she stood up for herself to the gang. Donna, very assertive. Yeah. Very assertive in this episode. Yes. Yeah. 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 And then I like David with the dance. Like, he goes through a lot of roller coaster emotions. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. Then I had Brandon, Kelly, Andrea. Yes. Because Kelly's sure, there yeah. for Steve. And then Andrea, like, she has, like, a lot of, like, talk, you know, of, mm-hmm. like, well, let's let's make it so uh, this isn't, like, a National Enquirer speech. Like, so she really has Brandon's back where Griffin's like, oh, let's turn this into, like, where the, where the, give me the dirt. And, like, Andrea's really like, no, we can't have that. So I like Andrea where you put her. You good with that, Tim? Yeah, and it really took Brandon kind of um, laying it all out for Kelly. I know Kelly steps up in a big way, but she sort of needed 
Brandon to get there, right? right. So I yeah, I like that. Okay. Um all right. So then I had Dylan and Brenda next. I thought Dylan was a mm-hmm. little bit better with his quips, but him and Brenda pretty much wash in this episode. Yeah. Well, Dylan at least gets the the sit down with Steve. Um mm-hmm. which Brenda doesn't really have a lot of doesn't really have much going on at all. No. Okay. Ooh. And then I had Cindy Nat Jim. I think like the question is, should you put Cindy ahead of Brenda because she had a sit down as well? Yeah. I was just thinking the same. I I think I'd even I I think I would go Cindy over Brenda. Okay. So Cindy at ten, Brenda at nine. Yeah, I'm okay with that. All right. Yeah, and then the rest um, fall into yeah. place. I mean, yeah, Jim's <laughs> barely there. Yeah, and that at least has like the line of like the whole like the of the eye scenario. Yeah, <laughs> gets to stand around the sad, empty peach pit, <laughs> consoling. Spirit. Listen to Silent Night. <laughs> Weirdest version ever. <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, Tim, what's going on? Uh, talk about our social media presence here. Anything else you want to plug? Uh, well, uh, I would like if people are listening to this episode for the first time, or if, or if there's several episodes in now, um, please subscribe to us uh, because that would help us a great deal. Um, you know, on your preferred podcatcher app, however you're listening to this, subscribe. Uh, we drop new episodes. We're on a pretty consistent every three week schedule, JT. So um, I, I think that's a nice sweet spot for us. It's when people can expect new episodes of this show. And um, if you like what you're hearing, um, please support support us in that way. Also, leave us a review on Apple Music if you will. A nice non monetary way to boost the profile of the podcast as well um we have an instagram account it is called uh what is it called 9021 uh no so uh on instagram is it not um, I so, yeah and so a lot of just fun stuff there we just post episode clips uh promote the show and you can find fun screen caps <laughs> as well um we are a spinoff, of course, of the North-South Connection Podcast Network, where you can find a lot of great pop culture-related content. Uh, I somewhat recently had an episode of the show that I do with one of our frequent flyers, uh, Jennifer Smith, uh, past guest, will be a future guest as well. That show is called Talking Pop. It was with our friend uh, Rocco Martone, who is... A very multi-talented, eclectic individual uh-huh. and made for a pretty fun uh, sit-down interview that really goes some places. Um, that one gets a little blue, <laughs> so <laughs> content warning. may not want to listen to that one with uh, children present or if uh, you're perhaps offended by some dark subject matter, but... Uh, we had a fun time talking to Rocco on uh, Talking Pop there on uh, the North South Connection. 
So you also uh, had a great appearance on a la carte with uh, a la carte, carte. with yes. Keith Blanks in his new show. Um, <laughs> that's also knows our connection where it's a pretty much like a variety show. Um, it is doing different yes. kind of games and stuff. And I'm going to be on that. I don't know if it would have dropped by the time this is going to air, but uh, I'm on there as well. Uh, well, it's funny. Three, you, you it's know. funny. You shouldn't mention that. As a matter of fact, I, I was, um, I was in the hot seat first with uh, with Keith on his, his show called A La Carte with Keith, Keithy. Um, you have since recorded with him, mm-hmm. which hopefully that episode will be out by the time folks are hearing this, if not very soon. And I'm getting word exclusive, JT, his third guest, none other than Jennifer Smith. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. Oh, <laughs> so there you go. Gear more, Jenny. Um, again, frequent guest of this this podcast and uh many others so a lot of good stuff there um if you're interested in some crossover content all right well i got our rankings ready to rock so let's uh dive in there before we wrap up uh all right for this episode we had no emily jackie scott mel iris henry so zeros on the board for them uh we had jim walsh with seven napasuche with eight brenda walsh with nine which is probably one of her lowest finishes i would think uh, Cindy Walsh with 10, Dylan McKay at 11, Andre Zuckerman at 12, Kelly Taylor at 13, Brandon Walsh at 14, David Silver 15, Donna Martin 16, Steve Sanders 17 points, our top finish tonight. For season two only, uh, last place is Iris with 16, then Mel with 19, Jackie with 24, Scott permanently at 38, Henry at 47, <laughs> Nat at 60, Emily at 90, Cindy at 141, Jim at 145, Donna at 154, gaining on Andrea at 157, Kelly just above them at 161, David above her at 165, Steve past David barely tonight at 166, jump up to Dylan at 209, Brenda at 215, and Brandon comfortably ahead this season at 238. And then our all-time character rankings, we have Iris at 16, Mel at 19, Jackie at 37, Henry at 47, Emily at 90, Scott at forever, is forever finish at 102, <coughs> Nat at 110, then we jump up to Donna, still in her own little area at 235, David at 291, uh, Andre and Jim broke both broke the 300 uh, barrier tonight, Andre at 300, Jim at 303, Cindy also did at 308. Kelly at 3.30, Steve at 3.57, uh, Dylan at 3.68, Brenda at 4.58, and Brandon Walsh still our number one at 479 total points all time. So that'll do our rankings. Uh, we'll be back in three weeks. Tim, like you mentioned, we'll have another returning guest with us as we continue to move. We'll have our Christmas episode, season two, episode 18. So that should be a fun one to dive into. Yeah, holiday episode, finally. Well, this was a low-key <laughs> holiday episode, but proper True. Christmas episode next week. Uh, Gruny, thanks for joining us. We'll get you back on the list, I'm sure, soon. Thanks uh, for having me. Always great to have you here, buddy. And we'll talk to everyone soon. Have a little dim sum, a little dim sum. And take care.